Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast, sponsored by First Federal Bank. It's Monday, June 6th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. On today's show, we catch up with Missouri Tigers football coach Eli Drinkwitz. He spoke with reporters recently and covered several topics. Missouri remains unsettled at quarterback. Right now, there are four candidates, two returning players and two newcomers. Drinkwitz breaks down the competition. From a program standpoint, the state of Missouri has amended its name, image, and likeness laws, and Drinkwitz explains what that means for the Tigers. We spent a lot of time discussing NIL. Drinkwitz also talked about issues facing the Southeastern Conference, like whether the league should go to a nine-game schedule once Texas and Oklahoma join. Finally, and I thought this was interesting, Drinkwitz is about to begin his fourth year as a head coach, third at Missouri. It has been a wild time in the sport of college football. NIL, the transfer portal, SEC expansion, it's a lot to deal with, and Drinkwitz lets us know how it's impacted him. So let's get started talking Missouri football with Eli Drinkwitz. Just got back from the spring SEC meetings. There was a lot of conversations and topics discussed. Um, One was scheduling model. One was um, future scheduling in in regards to adding Oklahoma and Texas to the league, Um, NIL and its effect and disruption of college football, and transfer rules specifically within the SEC. Um, I think there's going to be further conversations um, with the presidents and with the athletic directors as far as the overall stance. Uh, with the SEC and what we're going to do moving forward, but it's really good for our for our coaches, head coaches, to get in there and have conversations and and, and, and uh, share what our opinions would be uh, moving forward. And so we did that. Uh, it's good to, to 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 be able to do that. And, and now we're continuing to move on and refocus on our team uh, for this summer. So with that, I'll turn it over to questions. I know it's now roster building kind of never takes any time off. I mean, do yeah. you anticipate, are there places you're still looking to add to this roster any specific positions between now and fall camp? Um, you know, we've kind of taken the approach to best available player or somebody that we felt like could really impact our roster in a positive way um, that we could potentially make room for them. Um, but uh, we're not actively seeking anybody right now. And it would have to be a position of need and have multiple years of eligibility. I think we're we're almost done portal shopping, almost. But I think in this day and age, you never say no. Eli, it sounds like there's not necessarily consensus on eight or nine game conference schedule. Yeah, I agree with that. Can you, do you stand on one side of that argument? Or do you, do you approach it as what's best for Mizzou or what's best for the league? I think both. I think I'm a representative for Mizzou. I think uh, I, I think you can look at it from a, a lot of different perspectives. Um, I have my opinions on which one I believe is best. Um, I, you know, I do believe that one of the things that makes the Southeastern Conference so unique and special is the tradition and pageantry of the games and the long-standing rivalries that we have. Um, outside of even particularly Mizzou, and I, I understand maybe a little bit more now being at Mizzou and not having playing a consistent rivalry with a long-term team, whether that was be 
Kansas or Illinois and the disruption that causes to the fan base and now trying to recreate, or not recreate, restart a rivalry with Arkansas um, and how that's a little bit more difficult and challenging. And so I do think um, for our league, when we are, if we do away with divisions and go into a rotating conference schedule, that the consistency of rivalries are going to be important. Um, to the passion of the Southeastern Conference. So uh, that would be my stance on I think it's important to do that. You can read between the lines on which one that means I would support. But I, I do think that um, we have to be careful of getting away from playing consistent games in our conference that mean so much to our fan bases. But you had several quarterbacks come in uh, throughout the offseason. Start yeah. with Jack Abraham, kind of why um, kind of wind up being a good fit for Mizzou and kind of what he brings to the table. Yeah, I think, um, and I, I've been very consistent on saying this, I thought Brady Cook and Kyle Macon both had good springs uh, in us looking at a potential transfer quarterback with really no slight on them. It was more as uh, there's one thing that neither one of those guys can change, and it's the amount of experience they have. Um, playing college football. And so, you know, in our first six games, we have three on the road at Kansas State, at Auburn, at Florida. And the only, uh, uh, the best teacher is experience. And so in those situations, um, having an experienced quarterback uh, was something that, you know, was important. Um, it's something that we were looking for. Um, you know, so Jack provides us that experience and accountability. Uh, and understanding of what those environments are. Um, but by no means is that, you know, I saw a headline that uh, he was the presumed starter. I think that was a presumed uh, headline. That, that is not the case at all. Uh, it's an open competition. I think with the, uh, you know, we're very excited about Sam, and I think I've been very clear since uh, the start of spring that I would not name a starter until Sam Horn had the opportunity to compete for that position. And that is ongoing and starting right now as he's been on campus and we've been able to utilize OTAs, uh, individual skill instruction, we are calling OTAs, uh, and, and allow him to get up to speed. And so we're doing that right now. Um, but I, I'm not naive to the fact that Sam is a, a, has going to have a difficult choice in front of him in mid-July as he is an unbelievable baseball player with the ability to get drafted. He's going to have to make a decision on which sport he wants to pursue in the future. Um, I've met with his family and, and him, and we believe that uh, he's got a great, unbelievable future here as both a football player and a baseball player uh, within the Mizzou football and baseball families, and that's what we're uh, pushing him on. But I also am not naive to the fact that he could choose to proceed or uh, pursue a a career in the major leagues, and I could not stay status quo when only have two uh, quarterbacks on the roster with experience, and so needed to have somebody else. And so, to go back to your question about Jack Abraham, full circle, that was something that um, we had to have. And so, being able to explain that to both Brady, um, Tyler, our football team, and the Horns, um, the team, the team, the team comes first, and I have to put ourselves in a position for our team to be successful. Uh, with contingency plans. And so that's what we were able to do. And, and Jack, again, has experience, has been in multiple systems, and will have the ability to compete for the starting job. Um, but those four guys will be the guys, and, and we'll see which one comes out. 
as, as the starter sooner rather than later. I know that draft is like early to mid-July, what, but what's the time frame for you actually knowing what Sam is going, you know, is there a deadline after that draft or, or a deadline for Sam to make a decision with you guys? I think. But, I mean, as far as, I'm not saying you've set one, but like when class starts or, you know, is there a, a deadline as far as a Major League Baseball, he has to decide what he's doing? Right? Yeah, you know what, I haven't even asked that question. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good question, Gabe. I, I've only, you know, I know when the draft is, and I think once the draft happens and his people meet with their people and kind of figure out what the deal is presented to them, then they can make an education, they can make the best decision for them. And, and yeah, I, my assumption is on July 31st when we report to camp that our, all of our players that are going to be there are going to be there. So July 31st, I guess, is probably <laughs> the deadline. Obviously, Jack brings that experience that yep. you mentioned, but uh, he's only been here for a short time, obviously, but Sam, what do you think he'll bring to that composition a little bit for the quarterback? Yeah, um, you know, I've been in, in, in Dustin for the past uh, two days, just got back yesterday. I've been able to watch the tape on the OTAs. We'll know more tomorrow after we go again in the morning for OTA and see kind of where Sam is throwing the football. But obviously, I mean, if you're talking about a guy who led his team to an uh, undefeated uh season in Georgia, uh, state championship, guy that's got multi-years experience, obviously he's got uh, an elite level arm talent, he's big, strong, physical player, he's got a lot of uh, ability, but he's got a lot of development to do, and he's got to get sped up to the game of college football, so, um, but, you know, he's everything that we, we knew we were getting when we were recruiting. Eli, the, the new, uh state law or the adjustment to the state law of NIL, yeah. mm -hmm. um, assuming that is approved and signed by the governor. Do you and how do you envision how that can change your role or and your coach's role as far as NIL and how it works? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the advisement that I was uh, received from the SEC and um, have asked is just for interpretation from our general counsel on what is um, what they believe that law allows us to do. Um, you know, I think there were some, some very smart guardrails. I know that I cannot be uh, a third party, meaning I can't connect players to uh, NIL deals. I think I can be involved in, in um, conversations regarding, you know, um, encouraging our fans potentially to do NIL opportunities and, and, and business leaders. And I think that really was the, the key is that there's a little bit more freedom there for me to have discussions um, with leaders. But we're still trying to figure out exactly what that law allows us to do. Eli, do you guys do any conversations, preparation with players for these NIL deals and financial literacy, you know, what to do when the tax man comes? Yeah, that's actually uh, was a, a big part of the law was the, to ensure that there was um, financial literacy training. We do NIL opportunity training. We've partnered through Open Doors, which is uh, uh, our our software company that tracks our uh, contracts and, and makes sure that those contracts are reviewed by our compliance so that they're legal. Um, we do do a financial literacy. We had a CPA come in and talk about how to file um, uh, a tax return and, and what was important as far as being a 1099 contracted employee and what they needed to do and so we're definitely uh, trying to do the very best we can uh, to get these young men uh, up to speed on 
on the money that they're getting and how they have to be responsible for. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Eli, you've got a chance to talk to some of your peers and, and talk about college football right now. What's, what's the feeling amongst a lot of the SEC coaches? Does there need to be some stability coming in? It's seemed somewhat chaotic the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, honestly, I think a lot of coaches are trying to, to, to make a whole lot of comments just because it seems like uh, whatever comments you made are going to be construed in, in, in maybe some sort of fashion as you're against NIL or you're for NIL or whatever. I think that we're all consistent in that we would prefer if, if um, there was a limit on uh, third-party involvement and players making decisions based off boosters' promises of, of, of compensation. I think um, the original intent of NIL is what we all agreed with. The players should have the ability to utilize their name and their likeness for financial gain. Um, but, it, you know, with no guardrails on it, I think it, it, it's ascended probably more quickly than any of us uh, anticipated and so now trying to put our arms around it is a little bit challenging. Um, I think we're all understanding that we love the game of football and we love college athletics and we love the mission of, of college athletics which is utilize um, sports to help provide young men with an opportunity to get an education so that not only can they um, pursue a game that is a worthy game and something that they're worthwhile doing that could potentially lead to the NFL, but they're also giving, guaranteeing themselves to change their lives through a great degree at one of the prestigious universities. Um, and so I think we all understand that that's still a, a great thing, and we want them to be able to do both. And we talk about all the time that our programs chase two dreams, a life with football and a life outside of the game. Um, and we're still committed to that. I think we're all committed to that. And there's been a lot of disruption to the game of football, whether it's been COVID, opt-outs, transfer portal, NIL, uh, you name it, we're dealing with it. Playoffs, expansion, scheduling models, adding teams. There's been a lot going on. I think what we, we all understand is that we love competing on Saturdays and we love the pageantry of the games. And, and we're still committed to trying to, to ensure that the, that stays in place moving forward. I think we all uh, have a lot of faith in Greg Sankey and, and know that he has a clear vision for the SEC and what he's going to do and we support him in that vision and, and uh, you know 
we just want to make sure that we're we're doing what's in the best interest of these young men moving forward and their families moving forward. When you're talking about third party involvement, booster promises and stuff, other than the fact that this is public now and we know a lot of these things are happening, is there a significant difference now that NIL is legal in recruiting versus what a lot of people have, have thought it was for 20 or 30 years? I believe there is. Yeah. I believe there is. I never heard any stories of players making multi-million dollar deals. <laughs> I never heard of players going into the transfer portal and figuring out what the NIL work was before. So I, I think one of the things that we're all trying to figure out is what is public versus what is not public? What has, you know, what is um, real and um, what is not real as far as when it comes to uh, NIL? So I think we're all still trying to, to figure that out. Um, and, and the word transparency was used a lot, like transparency and what, what is going on um, versus what, what isn't being transparent. And again, I think what we don't want to have happen is we, we want young men to make a decision based off what's in the best interest of their family and their futures for, for you know, where they, they believe they need to go get the best education possible, and the best opportunity possible to play football uh, without the inducement of NIL, without the inducement of NIL. And that, that's all we're, we're looking at, I think. Eli, where things stand now, unless there will be guardrails, do you feel like Mizzou is in a good position, behind, at a disadvantage, or, or what, as far as talking about third party, talking about booster involvement, things like that? I don't know, because I don't know the transparency aspect. That right. It's like you're chasing a ghost, kind of. <laughs> like you don't really know what everybody else is doing, and believe us, none of us were in there telling us, telling each other, <laughs> like, oh, I got that. I mean, nobody knows. I mean, it's. I don't know. I, I feel really good about the fact that we are the fourth largest GDP in the SEC. I feel really good about the fact that we have passionate fans. I feel really good about the business leaders of our community trying to um, figure out what's the best ways to help our program be successful. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of NIL opportunities in not only uh, St. Louis, Kansas City, which are two top 50 media markets in the country, um, also with Springfield, so I, I mean, I feel good about the opportunities. When it all comes together, I think that's still something that, that um, as Mizzou, we got to continue to all come together to work for the University of Missouri and, and, and continue to push that direction. You talked about it a little bit with the quarterbacks, but in this hey era of free transfers now, how cognizant do you have to be of that? With I mean, like, is redshirting a thing that still exists? I mean, do you have to manage your current players any differently now going into a season, knowing that the threat they can can pick up and leave is, is always there? I think we're all figuring out the new norms of college football in a hurry. Uh, and the reality of it is it's all new norms. And so, you know, Gabe, you asked a, a, a tremendous question. I think I feel the most settled about my football roster for 2022 season than I have all year today because I know the guys that are in this locker room are committed to being in this locker room now to fear them transferring out as of right now. Um, they want to be here for 2022 football season. Now, 
I mean, there's all kinds of other unpredictable things that could occur for, for reasons why people wouldn't be here. But as of now, it's not a conscious choice for players to not be here. My mindset, my mindset with my team, my mindset with my coaching staff, with those guys is let's focus on building this football team for this year to the very best that we can. Um, and then we'll do the very best we can after that. We're recruiting in a manner that, that is going to continue to build the roster moving forward. But to say that you're going to continue, uh, you have to have a plan. Um, but I don't know what December is going to bring. I don't know what the transfer portal is going to bring. Uh, all I can do is build our team for this season, share the core values of who we are and what we're doing moving forward, and get as many people to buy into that vision as possible. But I'm not going to treat our guys any different. Um, I'm going to coach them. I'm going to love them the way I've, I've always loved them. I'm going to set the standard of who we are and what we're going to be about. Our coaches are going to set that standard. Um, and you can either choose to be a part of that moving forward or you not. And there's no judgment if not. That's awesome. Eli, is that sustainable for the majority of college football moving forward? I don't have a crystal ball on that. And that's the biggest issue. I, I don't. And I can't. I can only control what I can really control. Um, the only other thing I can give out is opinions. But that opinion doesn't. I can complain about what's wrong, but I'm not really providing any tangible solutions. So instead of worrying about that and focusing on what I can control and what I can do. I feel like if you can share a collective person, we're all passionate about this game of football, right? We're all passionate about playing the game. All those guys in my locker room are competitive. All my coaches are competitive and they have passion for this game. I've got to unite them in a purpose. And I feel like if I can give a compelling vision for the future, uh, I can get people to join in that vision and that purpose moving forward. And that's what's going to keep them here. That's the only guardrails I have. That's the only guardrails I have. And so I'm trying to share, share a compelling vision for what our program is going to be under my leadership moving forward. Our goal is to win the SEC East and bowl game with class integrity and academic excellence. While you're here, we want you to chase two dreams, a life with football and a life outside of the game. We're going to want you to maximize your ability, your God-given talents in the game of football. We think feel like you can do that because we've got great strength and conditioning, great position coaches, great nutrition. We feel like you can maximize your life outside of football because the internship opportunities, great academic opportunities, an AAU institution, which is only 63 in the country. Um, and so you, you're going to have an opportunity to chase both of those dreams. We're going to pursue those dreams through four core values every single day. Always compete, build trust and respect, do more than what's expected, and enjoy the journey. That's who we are. That's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to do it. And if people want to assimilate to that, correct. If they don't, then they have the freedom to choose other things. You know, when you talk about the changing norm of college football, when you have these meetings in Destin, and how, how, how has your approach kind of changed through the years to make sure that Mizzou's interests are at the forefront? I've never been there before, so this is the first time for me to be involved in a spring meeting. I've sat in other meetings before, and um, so this for me was a learning experience. I think there were several topics that I voiced my opinion on, um, and again, my opinion is based off what is in the best interest of the University of Missouri. And how does uh, the best interest of the University of Missouri serve? Um, I also understand that the best interest of the University of Missouri is to be a, a strong member of the SEC. And for the 
for the University of Missouri to thrive in the Midwest, we have to be a strong brand in the SEC. The SEC brand has to be strong. So I got to support whatever's in the best interest of the SEC. So we did both of those. Eli, with the schedule model potentially changing, is that advantageous for recruiting when playing in more places, particularly if you start playing more games in the state of Texas? Honestly, that's kind of hypothetical. I haven't even kind of got into mentally. So I'm trying to make sure I got quarterbacks on the roster in NIL. So, um, I mean, it's a great question, but I, I just I don't know. You said multiple times in the last few weeks that like what's happened in the last two years is probably the biggest change you've ever seen in college football. I, I'm curious with not just NIL and transfers, but everything that's changed around the sport. And now I know you've gone to like 35 different cities here in the last month. How much different is this job than? You know what you thought this job was going to be when you took it three years ago, and how much more, more or maybe not sure uh, if you're more prepared than than you were, you know, three years ago, having gone through a little of it. Yeah, I would say this: I'm more prepared today to be the head coach of the University of Missouri than I was two years ago when I took this job, and that was because the experiences that I've been through in the past two years. Um, the job's changed quite a bit. The dynamics of the job has changed quite a bit, but that's changed for everybody in the seats that they're in. Um, <clears throat> I think whenever you hire somebody to do a job, uh, you're hiring them based off the competency to adjust to whatever happens moving forward. And I do think that, that um, I have a clear vision for what I believe the University of Missouri can be. And pursuing that every single day as hard as I possibly can. Um, I don't know that anybody could argue that, uh, that I'm not working as hard as I possibly can to, to do everything I can to help us win a championship, whether that's visiting cities or recruiting or um, being intentional about uh, strategic uh, placement of NIL opportunities or being in communities. I mean, we've got a kids camp in St. Louis this weekend. We've got a kids camp, free kids camp in St. Louis this weekend. We've got a free kids camp in Kansas City next weekend. We have a free two-day kids camp in Columbia that's got already got over 500 kids signed up. Um, we're trying to be great. we got a, a, a camp today on our campus that's got over 150 kids. We're going to be in Lindenwood tomorrow. Um, we're trying to be great ambassadors to this state, and I think that's where it starts, and that's something I'm I've been passionate about since I was a high school coach. Um, the job is, like I said, the job has changed. Um, that was that's what makes it fun, you know. That's what that's what as a competitor you kind of like the challenges. I think every you know I can't speak to what college football was back in the '90s or '80s and, and the crazy changes that that have occurred. Man, I can't imagine there's been any more influx of the way college football's happened past years. That'll do it for today. Thanks to the Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Also, thanks to First Federal Bank, that's ffbkc.com, for presenting today's show. Morning Sports Edition had complete coverage of the Royals, the NBA Finals, NHL Stanley Cup, Rafael Nadal's 14th French Open title, the day in auto racing, and so much more go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC.